0: to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode eighty-six. We're recording this in uh, the very end of two thousand ten. Might yeah, it'll probably be up in two thousand eleven. Let's let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, with me uh, we have uh, Pedro returning uh, after a very
1: Unpopular, um, demand, I should
0: unpopular. say unpopular. Oh no, uh, it was a lot of fun <laughs> last time. So uh, we got we got a lot of Pedro suggestions this time. So. Uh, Uh, (laughs) He's just going to go hog wild here
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was surprised that the last time I was here People loved it so much They were going like, dude, that was the best episode ever You were so funny, you were so awesome And I was like, really? I was that good? But I'm happy to be here Especially on the first episode of the new year When this this comes out
0: (laughs) I heard the first episode of the new year The last episode of 2010 I don't know
1: We'll see. We're we talking to you from the past.
2: <laughs>
1: Whoa. The machines are coming. They're, they're here right now.
0: Save yourselves. I'm not sure who you're channeling right now, but uh, scary stuff.
1: Myself. Myself.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, we should get started here with the first game. Okay. Which, uh, you know, I, I've never played this game. I'll, I'll just say that. It's a hint. Maybe.
1: I may have played it. I may not have played it. We'll see.
0: bit of church lady music for you if if you know what i'm referring to there Mm -hmm. all right second song sure why, but that song reminds me of an old Monopoly game I used to own for, like, Windows 3.1. I don't know if anyone in the audience has played that, but there must be some instrument in there that sounds very much like uh, the music from that game. But it's not a Windows game, I guarantee you.
1: (laughs) That's interesting, because I hear the song and I I keep thinking of Hillbilly Country. That too. Yes. (laughs) Both. Monopoly. The Hillbilly Edition.
0: Well, uh, you know... Someone's got to live at Baltic Avenue. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All
0: right, we got a question here. Uh, Okay. Despite its North American setting, this game was developed overseas. Which developer made this game, and in which country is it based?
1: And now for numero
2: trois.
0: Man. Oh, yeah. You know, the soundtrack in this game reminds me a lot of Pilot Wing 64, but it isn't Pilot Wing 64. What is this, Pedro?
1: This is Mickey Speedway USA for the Nintendo 64.
0: Right, this is not the uh, Game Boy Color game.
1: <laughs> no, definitely uh, not. Lee.
0: Yeah, I don't think Game Boy Color could produce that kind of music. But, if it's
1: could, uh, I would be very surprised. I will be yeah, like, I, mean, I was cheated out of some great music, man. What happened?
0: Well, I never played this game. I've never even seen this game before. Um, I was certainly on the online scene when this game came out, and this game never really interested me. Is this closer to Beetle Adventure Racing, or, or Diddy Kong Racing, or... You know, what is the gameplay here? I, I mean, I, I know it's a racing game, but uh, what's the gameplay, thing?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have to say a, I have a lot to say about this. Basically, Biggie's Speedway USA is Mario Kart 64 with Disney characters, and espe- specifically Mickey characters. This game was made at the time when Disney tried to bring back Mickey and Friends as cartoon characters. They had this show called Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse Works, and so they decided to capitalize on on the revival of the franchise, so to speak. Even though the game takes place in North America, and with a very American franchise, the game was developed by Rare, which is, you, as, you guys know, as you guys know, is the developer behind uh, Banjo Kazooie, GoldenEye, and, and they are based in England. So it's kinda funny to see a game that is very American, and with a very American character being done overseas by a very English developer. As far as the gameplay goes, like I already said, the game is basically a Mario Kart 64 with Mickey characters. Um, it has all of the same modes, it has all of the same uh, same character types like light, medium, heavy. It has some of the similar items, like instead of shocking uh, a turtle shell, you're using baseballs, you're using oil slicks, I believe you're using bubbles too. So basically, the whole game is Mario Kart 64, but with Mickey characters, that and the American setting, which what I mean by that is that the races, the racing courses take place in American places like New York, Las Vegas, Atlanta, all of those places. So basically, that's the main appeal of the game, that you're playing as the Mario characters on these American settings.
0: You mean Mickey characters?
1: Yeah. I think you said, said Mario. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's
0: okay. So, so the course... What, what is the course design, though, in this game? I mean, I understand there's a text but is it kind of like several times around a, a loop in a course, or is it from point A to point B? Um, I mean, from what you can tell, do they actually reproduce kind of the city escapes reasonably well? I mean, do you see, like, the San Francisco uh, Golden Gate Bridge, that kind of stuff when you're driving around, or, or are they a little more I abstract?
1: Actually, my memory is kind of vague about it because I played that like years ago, originally on the s 4 and then later on on another system. Um, but for what I could remember, they actually did their best to try and uh, capitalize on the American setting. But if I'm not mistaken, when you play in Atlanta, you actually get to see the Space Needle in the background. And I believe that go the Golden Gate Bridge is actually in the Cape, too. And, of course, there's Mount Rushmore in the...
0: North Dakota, maybe?
1: Yeah, North Dakota, if I'm not mistaken, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the soundtrack here, and it definitely hit a bunch of different uh, locations in America. Uh, New Orleans, Alaska, Colorado. Um, so it's got to have some variety there, and if they... I mean, my, my hope would be that they sort of capture the character in a, in a weird Disney way, but it seems like it would be hard for Rare to do that, using the Mickey franchise and the fact that they're based in England. But who knows? I, I, I never played the game.
1: I, I find that to be fascinating, to be honest, because as you know, Disney has a lot of franchises that, that are based around magic and wackiness and surreal elements. So it's kind of funny to see the Mickey characters, who are very animated, so to speak, being placed in these pseudo-realistic settings. So it's kind of interesting to see that. And one, o- one other fact about the game is that compared to Mario Kart 64, the game was much, much nicer. The character, the characters were much nicer than in the game. And what I mean by that is that. When you're playing the game, you're, for example, when you're playing Mario Kart 64, when you hit someone with a turtle shell, the characters are like, Yeah, I got you! Yeah, yeah! In Mickey's Speedway where you say, that when they hit each other, they like, say, Oh,
0: I'm sorry! I'm sorry! are <laughs> <You're> very polite. <laughs> I didn't hurt you, but sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I but we're still friends, right?
0: Wow. I guess they gotta sort of balance the disney family friendly image with we're well, shooting each other with items
1: so, yeah that's what okay. we be expected because then you have kids saying hey we're hitting each other why are you doing that because mickey told you to do those right.
0: yeah they don't want to go there
1: <laughs> well the only one that can get away with being mean is obviously pete he's right bad yeah guy. Pete,
0: he's a bad guy right
1: Everybody else are nice to each other, so I found that to be really funny, really weird in a way, but it makes sense because Disney is a family company. I mean,
0: Donald has a temper. He seems like you get away with him being kind of mischievous, but um,
1: yeah, he can get away. But what, mainly what he does is scream around
0: Mickey and Minnie, you can't,
1: yeah, you
0: can't, you can't have them, um, you know, being really evil. No, you can't. Yeah. All right, well, let's go on to the second game here. That's right, everyone. It's Theorem and Hero. All right, song two.
1: That was a great song, but now we have a question for you. This game's two heroes are named after which two western icons?
0: that's it this game is Pedro
1: this game is Wild Guns for the Super NES
0: that's right Wild Guns which watching some videos for this game it actually kind of reminds me a lot of Sin and Punishment in a weird way Um, yeah it is you have your character running in the the front and you have a target although I, I think when you move the target you move the character too right they're sort of tied together
1: Actually, I think War Guns is very different from that because Sin and Punishment is a bit like an unreal shooter but with characters instead of vehicles While War Guns is actually a third-person uh, shooter, elite, so to speak and What I mean by that is that the characters are, you can see the characters, you're not in the first person perspective, but you see also the background as well, so you get to move the character and see how they're aiming and you get to control it, control them directly while still seeing everything in, in front of you. And it's a very challenging game, I recommended it a while back on the recommendations feature. Right. Back then I said that I recommended it for fans because the game can get really hard, especially in the other levels. Hell, even early in the game, it can get really challenging unless you have another person with you. It's a two-player game, right?
0: And, it's a co-op, right? So, I mean, it's a shooting gallery game, but don't you still have to dodge bullets coming at you by moving to the side? You can jump, right?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's actually the great thing about the game that even though it has a simple premise the gameplay is very deep, very unique, because you can do things like dodge all of the way, you can see enemy bullets, for example if a bullet is coming your way, a speech bubble comes up and says watch out, and then you get to move all of the way, you have these small additions that actually complement the gameplay a lot and it's a shame that the game is pretty obscure because we find a lot of the elements in the shooting gallery games.
0: Well, that's what I mean. I mean, since you have to dodge, you have to jump, I mean, to me, that's a lot of what you're doing in Punishment. Maybe it's not to an extreme degree, but I mean, in Punishment, you have your character, which you got to move, and you got your cursor, which you have to use to, to shoot, and you got to watch out for both. And, and yeah, you're not whatever, slashing to repel attacks or whatever, but it seems like it has a similar premise to me. It seems like it's a little more than just a shooting gallery.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Another thing is that the game actually rewards you if you manage to hit the enemy bullets. And, by, and what happens is that when you hit an enemy bullet, you get uh, the power bar raised up a bit. And when you have it, you have the power bar full, then you get to unleash a big special attack. So again, that's a really neat way of presenting a classic concept.
0: Yeah. Um, now, the two characters are named um, Clint and Annie, right? Um, yeah. Clint being, uh, uh, like, you know, one of these kind of, I guess this game was really Natsume, but, you know, the characters very much remind me of, like, Street Fighter 1990s characters. Uh, like, Clint is, like, a super-duper buff guy with, you know, like a super-strong jaw. And uh, Annie is, like, I don't know, very, very petite, I guess is the way to put it. You know, um, almost looks like Princess Peach or something.
1: She's basically like an anime girl.
0: Yeah, but this is in the Wild West, so neither of those characters quite look right in that setting. Uh, This is a Japanese game, and uh, Clint and Annie, uh, as you know, Pedro and I kind of tend to think they're uh, allusions to Clint Eastwood and Annie Oakley, uh, who are two famous Western icons. You know Clint Eastwood for his movies and Annie Oakley the sharpshooter, so that's probably a pretty safe bet.
1: <laughs> it's be- it is pretty obvious because you look at the characters and they're nearly ups of the actual Clint Eastwood and Annie Oakley characters.
0: See, I just I disagree on that one. I could sort of see Clint Eastwood, but um, I mean Annie Oakley. I don't think she had blonde hair. Um, yeah, that is true. That's I mean. True. Yeah, Annie looks pretty different, in my opinion. The Clint, Clint character maybe Baby, I could see as, as like a Clint Eastwood on steroids or something. But
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what they wanted, since they know that Clint Eastwood is, is, is a bigger icon than Annie Oakley. They decided to focus more on Clint than on Annie, so they had a little more freedom when creating the Annie character.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if those are the original names or whether they renamed them for America possible.
1: That could be true. That could be it, too, because they wanted um, American audiences to understand the, the game more than than in Japan, so to speak.
0: Yeah. It's on Virtual Console, right? You said it was recommended. Would you still recommend it for fans, or, or do you think it's uh, something anyone could pick up?
1: I still recommend it for fans because, um, as you know, um, aiming with a D-pad is kind of hard, yeah. I mean. And the control scheme of the classic controller can be really tricky at times. So after a while, you're going to get cramped hands and not to mention the extreme difficulty. And uh, So the only way that you can play it is if you have another person with you that is actually a fan of the shooter genre. Yeah.
0: But of course, there's so many other shooting gallery games and then like Sin and Punishment. I mean, there's so many other games that make better use of the Wii's controller to make it less painful. So, Yeah, it is kind of a hard sell, isn't it?
1: It's kind of a hard sell. I mean, I've seen people recommend it like greatly, and I can see why, because this is a very obscure, underrated game that deserves a lot more a lot more light, a lot more um, recognition, because it is a really good game. It is a very well-designed game, but the problem is that it caters to a specific niche in the gaming audience. So I can't say, hey guys, go play this game. It's great. You're going to love it because I know some people that don't have the reflexes of a gamer. Yeah. So that's why I can't say, go buy it right now. But I do say, if you're a fan of the genre, check it out at least.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to go into a third game which was requested by two listeners independently. So, uh,. I get to to do two-in-one here.
1: Crap, I am geeking out over here.
0: I guess that means you know what game it says. Don't give it away yet.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about this game a lot later on. Trust me. But for now, just listen to the music. (laughs) Okay.
0: game wow all right well here's your question anyway for everyone who hasn't figured it out which apparently does not include pedro um all right so which actress portrays the heroine of this franchise as well as a character from the first game we use this episode I think a lot of people may have figured out at least the franchise after that song. But uh, what game do you think this is, Pedro?
1: We're tiny. We're loony. We are a little loony. This is actually Tiny Toons Adventures, Buster Bust Loose for the Super NES. And this game is my childhood. This game is my childhood.
0: And you you get along real well with uh, TJ Spike... And 120, both of which requested this game.
1: Uh, Thank yeah. you guys, you made me very happy right
2: now.
0: Well, I've never played this game, but I've always heard good things about it. Um, I mean, I, I love the show, and uh, I mean, this is a Konami game, so it's probably pretty good.
1: Well, get ready for a quick history lesson. This is going to be very fun. Um, I love Tiny Toons, I really loved that series. That series was also awesome my childhood. Like, I could never go a day without watching at least one episode of the series. Um, I, I always watched it in the afternoons, I watched it Saturday morning, I taped it, I loved, love, love that series. And the games were actually great too, not just the Super NES games, but the sort of the NES ones that came out before. But specifically, the reason why the Super NES game is so great is because of what we were talking about in the other episode I was seeing in that it knew how to take advantage of the franchise. So they didn't just they didn't like take just take the characters, put them in the game and be done with it. No, they actually understood the franchise. They actually you can tell that they love the franchise. So they took everything that made the series great and made it into a game. And especially in the music. Uh, you, you can already tell that I got really excited when I heard the music, and that's because they took actual musical cues from the series mm-hmm. and turned them into music for the levels. Like for example, in the last song that we heard, you can hear the same song. And that's not all. Not only do you, do you get to hear the the full intro, the, the full intro song, you get to actually hear the musical cues from the series like the music that you will hear before the episode started. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid I actually remembered that. I actually knew the songs. I, I was like, oh my god, I know where, where this music is from. This is from X episode. And mm-hmm. I was so I'm am- I was so amazed at how accurate Konami made the game. Well it
0: was more than just the music though. I mean I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page for this game, there, there are a lot of enemies that are taken from specific episodes, and a lot of like the, the chapters, the levels are based on certain episodes as well. So,
1: oh, definitely, that's 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 another thing that they took a lot of the characters from the series, even the very, very, very obscure ones that appear like in one episode, and they were done with it. So, again, as a kid, I watched that, uh, I was like. Crap! I know that character from this episode. Wow, they used that character as a boss or as an enemy, or that character made a cameo in one of the cutscenes. So again, they knew how to use the franchise. They had the, they they understood that people love Tiny Toons, and the people that want to play the game want to see the characters and the and the franchise done right.
0: It, it, it makes me think because uh, recently I was just sort of watching a couple of interviews for Animaniacs, which is also uh, closely related to this game, this uh, franchise, and I, I wonder how involved the uh, producers and the writers and directors of, of the Tiny Toons uh, TV shows were with video games. Because, I mean, that, you know, normally when you think of a franchise, you know, you think, well, they're just going to lift the franchise and do it elsewhere, but they're, they're a very hands-on uh, group of people that worked on Tiny Toons. And um, I certainly see them as being people who would appreciate the video game medium. So I have to wonder if, um, if even like maybe even Steven Spielberg played a role. Because I mean, you you see him nowadays. You know, he was involved in Boom Blocks and some stuff like that. So it's conceivable that he had at least some sort of approval over this game before it was released and was able to to push the development team in the right direction. So I, I'd just be curious to hear from someone who worked on this game, you know, what you know what the full story was.
1: That would be very interesting to hear because the game, if I'm not mistaken, was developed in Japan, not in the US. So I would like I would like to know how that process came to be, like how the the creators of the game interacted with the creators of the series. Yeah. I want to I want to know if the creators were more involved with the game creation or they were just like saying, "Okay, we, we this is the basic outline of the series. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want."
2: Yeah.
1: I doubt that's what happened because there's a lot of love, a lot of details that make this game stand out above the other licensed game of the time.
0: Yeah, I, but I, I don't know if uh, that series at the time was very popular in Japan, too. I have no idea
2: if uh, it I was I think localized. it was
1: very popular because I recall watching many Japanese commercials featuring Babs and Buster Bunny. No okay. relation.
0: All right, well then... I mean, that could be it right there. I mean, if the Japanese community knew the series that well, uh, who knows? Anyway, we didn't answer the question. Um, the, the voice actor for Babs Bunny, who's, who's the main heroine, is Truss McNeil. And she does a bunch of stuff, of course, but she also oh, does she does Daisy Duck in uh, Mickey Speedway USA. So, uh, sort of tying these two together.
1: She also, did, she also did the voice of Dot in the Animaniac series. Right. And it's kind of interesting, too, because Warner Brothers and Disney are rival companies and they're always taking shots at each other in their movies and series. So it's kind of funny to see, like, an actress jump from one company to the other doing just fine, voicing different characters. A, lot of, I mean, a
0: lot of actors do that. I mean, the, yeah. that's why they got rid of the whole... You know, I mean, it used to be that actors and actresses were quote-unquote owned by certain studios, and I think there was a class-action lawsuit that got uh, rid of that. But we're, we're deviating far away from video games okay. now, so uh, okay. let's, let's go. Okay, one last
1: thing about the game uh, that I must say is that the game is really challenging too. Even as a kid, it took me a while to beat the whole game, and Konami was very devilish because the only way you can get the full ending to the game was if you played it on the hard
0: difficulty. <laughs> they pulled a Contra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they pulled a Contra. You can tell that the game was developed by the guys that did Castlevania and Contra.
0: Oh, man. Isn't the easy mode in this game called children mode?
1: Not, I I can't recall, but I do know that if you play it like on the easy mode, you go to, I believe, stage four or five, And then you gotta miss the saying to complete the rest of the game, play it on the difficulty. And as a kid, I was like, Son of a bitch!
0: (laughs) Alright. Definitely made by Konami.
1: And the levels were very creative too, like, they had the basic platforming level which is okay but there were like uh, train chase levels that were really hard, there was one sky level that was really devilish, but at the same time really creative because you had to keep running at full speed before the whole stage collapsed on itself. So it was really hard but at the same time very amazing to see all of that work being put into the level. I'm sorry for geeking out, but this is a great game. This is a game that I love, and it's from a franchise that I really love. So, again, this might be one of the best licensed games ever. I'm going to shut up now.
0: All right. Game four.
1: Fairly. Very epic.
0: Yep. All right. Here's the question: Which team from the North American release of this game was originally called Catherine's Lips? how many people got this. The second song probably helped, but still. This is kind of a curveball, if I may say so myself. This is uh, Mario Super Sluggers, and it's kind of funny because listening to the soundtrack right now, I realize that Mario's spin-off games, the soundtracks are very hit or miss, and this is a really good soundtrack, but I can think of other Mario games where the spin-off games are just sort of Kind of bland, like some of the part Mario Party games. The soundtrack isn't very good. Um, I'd argue some of the Definitely. Mario Kart's don't have very good soundtrack. But this game has a really good soundtrack. A lot of it's kind of remixes, but not not straightforward remixes. I mean, you you heard the second one, which was uh, a remix of the New Super Mario brothers Castle theme, but it, it did a lot of stuff there. Um,
1: it was very buried. Uh I mean, you play the game, you know that all of these stages have the di- have distinct themes, so the sound the songs fit those stages very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, thinking back to other Mario sports games, like I, I really like the Mario Golf and Mario Tennis series, but the music, you know, Motui Sakuraba has a very distinct sound, and and so most of the songs sound like that. Uh, whereas in this game, I-, I think the soundtrack is a is a lot more varied. And uh, does a really good job of playing with uh, themes of contemporary uh, Nintendo games. So uh, the first stage, first song was a Wario song. Uh, I think it was uh, a variation on a Wario Land Shake It piece, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, This game, I've never played it. At least the soundtrack is better than I expected. I've heard mixed things about the game. What's the um... game itself like?
1: I have to to confess that I never played the GameCube game that came out, I believe, in 2005. And that was because at the time I was getting burned out by all of these Mario spin-off games. And and as you guys know, there were a lot of them in the GameCube era. So I got very tired of them. I didn't want to play any more of them. So I I ignored that game and Mario... Super Mario Strikers. I ignored that game as well. Well, then on the Wii, on the Wii generation, I decided to go back to play all of these games because I am a big Mario fan and I I would be beating myself up if I I didn't at least give these games a chance. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I started playing Mario Super Super Superstar, Mario Super Sluggers, I'm sorry, Mario Super Sluggers.
0: The title's hard to pronounce because you you always want to say Super Mario Sluggers, but it's not. It's Mario Super
1: Sluggers. I didn't play the GameCube game, so when I went in, I went in into the game not knowing what to expect. And come to my surprise, I really enjoyed it. I really loved the game. And I understand that the game got a lot of crap because it was basically the GameCube game, slightly remade with minimal motion controls. And to an extent, I agree because this game isn't like Wii Sports Baseball, where you actually get to pick up the controller. Multi-bad around like in real time. This is basically a, a button press mapped onto a, a motion, uh, into a quick motion. And, and it was really basic that way, but the gameplay itself is really good. At least I really loved it. Like I got hooked on it. I have like more than 10 hours locked into this game alone. And that's because there's a lot of more touches that I think add to the experience, right? for example, all of the playable characters, like you have the main characters that are like the captains but then you have all of the side characters that you can choose from any of them and you can create your own your unique team and...
0: Well, that originally was a concept from the soccer game, if I recall correctly which they kind of brought over here
1: Well, that's kind of because And I say Canada because yeah, it's true, there are some similarities, but the difference with the soccer game is that they only only show the characters that would fit a type very well. Like the birdos are the average, the Toads are the smallest, so on and so forth, but for Mario Super Sluggers they brought all of the characters, like even the very obscure enemy characters, into the gameplay, and I thought that was very appealing to me as a Mario fan mm-hmm. because I always wanted to play as a Goomba just for Jets and Giggles, and right. you actually get you actually get to do that in Mario Super Sluggers, and you can be very creative with the team creation sometimes you can get a really solid team and sometimes you have this really silly team like for example the other night I was playing with my nephew and we decided to create the creepy pedophile team starring Wario and Waluigi so we chose the the character and then we showed all of the baby characters alongside too so that was hilarious like you had Waluigi and a whole team of babies including Bowser Jr Uh, that was really messed up on me and you can actually get to do the, the female scene with the princesses and then the burtos. Like you can right. go crazy with the characters. You can even do like the Bowser team where you get to pick Bowser and select the entire team based off of the enemy characters from the previous past games. Right. So not only does the team selection aspect work as a gameplay element, it works as a very creative element too. So that's why I enjoy the game so much.
0: It really does have an extensive um, roster. I mean, the, the question is, uh, which, which of the teams was originally called the Catherine's Lips? Well, Birdo is known as Catherine in, in Japan. So uh, it's the Birdo Bows are originally the Catherine's Lips. Now, that's a really weird name. They made a good call yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. So you could have the pedophiles and, and the, the creepy lip the team. Trannies. Yeah, the trannies. How was I going to say? I lost my train of thought Um, Oh yeah, uh, they they have some characters that you really wouldn't expect to see in a Mario sports game. Like, uh, they have a lot of the Kongs in there. Like, not just Donkey and Diddy. They have uh, Tiny Kong, Dixie Kong, King K. Rule. I mean, it's pretty weird to see that in a Mario spinoff game.
1: That surprised me too because you don't see, like, two universes merging with each other. Like, you don't see... Um, for example, you don't see the Wario Land characters interacting with the Mario characters or the Wario World characters. So it was really surprising to be playing this game and realizing that you have King K. Roo, you have Dixie, you even have baby Donkey Kong.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know if there actually is a canon and, and they are different universes. I mean, Mario and Donkey Kong started off basically in the same world, um, but... The Donkey Kong is, has morphed so much from the original game uh, especially when Rare took over that uh, I don't know I, I don't try to draw any lines because it's pointless yeah
1: it's best not to think about it yeah. or else you're going to die from the confusion yeah.
0: whatever happened to Donkey Kong Jr. Huh? is he the same thing as Donkey Kong because the, the well, there's Donkey Kong Jr. in Mario Kart Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo is that the same as Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong Country I, I don't know
1: Wow, that's a conspiracy theory in itself because there are sources that believe that Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong oh, that's he is. from the arcade game. He is so
0: in Donkey Kong Country, the original Donkey Kong Country. Cranky talks about back in my day. You know, I was a big hero. He says stuff like that. He's the original Donkey Kong. It's well established. Now, I don't know if Donkey Kong. The hero that we know now is his son or his grandson, I'm not sure.
1: Well, some of these sources state that our current Donkey Kong is actually Donkey Kong Jr. from the past, so that will make Cranky Kong his father, and Diddy Kong will be kind of like an official replacement for Donkey Kong Jr., so you have the big character and the little character
0: we should know by now not to worry about this stuff because as the Zelda franchise is established Nintendo doesn't give a crap so neither should we <laughs> I
1: mean I mean you have to remember that you have the adult characters playing with the baby characters and if something happens to the baby characters the adult characters are fine so there yeah. you go
0: you'd think that you could just take out baby Mario and it would somehow uh, you know kill two birds with one stone but great Scott Doesn't work that way. Alright, we got one more game. And uh, it's actually my request. So, deal with it.
1: Deal with it or die. yeah it's definitely your request because I have no idea what game is that from so I'm going to be playing along too
0: Okay, so here's a simple question for you. What is the name of the villain farmer of this game? Pedro. Any ideas on what game this might be?
1: No idea whatsoever. So you gotta answer this one for me.
0: Alright. Well, this is Mole Mania for the Game Boy. Or Super Game Boy. Um, Oh,
1: now I remember that game.
0: Yeah, it's um... It's a game I purchased in Japan. Unfortunately, I got a bum copy where it locked up on me after about an hour of play and then I discovered oh, the battery's dead on this thing, too. So, so I didn't get to play too much of this. Yeah, I know. So I got really far, and then the save just sort of wasn't there. But uh, it's a really fun game. It, 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 I would describe it somewhere between Lolo and Zelda. Um, it's really closer to Lolo. It's, it's a, basically a room-based puzzle game where you're walking around and are solving block puzzles or what amounts to being similar to block puzzles. Um, and you can walk around above ground and you can also uh, go, dig and go underground in those kind of tunnels that are predefined where you can roam around. I think the goal is usually to get all of the vegetables in the room and or uh, smash a boulder with a kind of a heavy, I guess it's like a cannonball or something. I, I don't know. You're mole and you're just basically trying to go through the different farms and rescue your kid who apparently uh, your kids and wife have been captured by this evil farmer god knows why he leaves a note telling you to come get his, your kids and wife and why the farmer would not just kill them I, I guess it's family friendly i don't know but it's a fun game um like i said it's if you're a fan of lolo it, it definitely has that kind of a vibe going for it, it, it its presentation is a little more sophisticated it has you know, signposts and things like that that remind me a little more of uh, Zelda. Um, I didn't get too far, like I said, so I don't know how complex the puzzles get or if you get any other items or things like that.
1: was involved Miyamoto involved in this, in this game somehow? Yeah, it's a
0: Nintendo game. Miyamoto was involved. I don't, I don't know to what capacity. I, I do remember reading something about that. It's sort of a one-off, one-hit wonder kind of a thing. I don't know how popular it was. I really didn't hear about it until many years later. But then again, I didn't own a Game Boy at that time. so.
1: The only reason I remember Mode Mania was because of the infamous Sakurai list of characters for Go and they had the Mo character, like in one of the potential characters. So that's where I remember the game most from. Really? If, that's, if I'm not mistaken, but I do remember that Sakurai way back in 2007-2008, I believe, he posted a list of all of the potential characters that could that could be in Smash Bros. Brawl. And not only did he have a lot of obscure, separate characters, but he had a lot of obscure Nintendo characters as well. So yeah. he had the character from Mo in it as well. And I remember we kept talking about how, how cool it would be if Nintendo for once was actually very daring and crazy and put like a character from one of these really obscure games that maybe then people would get interested in knowing more about that character and then maybe spin, spin off a whole new franchise out of that.
0: Yeah, it, it sort of worked for Kid Icarus, I guess, sort of.
1: It it sort of worked for NES, too, because I didn't have no idea what Xbox was until I played Super Smash Bros., the original game on the S T Four, And because of that, I went to seek out the game, I played it, and I really enjoyed it. So maybe I've always kept thinking how good it would be if Nintendo did more of that. they have a lot of these characters, a lot of these franchises that are still, like, gathering dust somewhere in a boat, in Japan, and they could be like, You know what? We could make a game about these characters and bring them back. And maybe we won't be getting so much Mario games or so many Zelda games, or even Koopa games for that matter, and maybe something more unique and original. But, I mean,
0: ideally... They don't want to take that... They're too traditional. They don't want to take that kind of a risk. Yeah, the, I mean... Heck, they haven't come out with their Pikmin game yet. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, that game was in development since 2007, and we're still waiting for water. Then. Yeah. All we get is, is me about to say, it's going to come out eventually.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've said it before, but I would not be surprised if it was overturned and, and brought to a, to a 3DS instead for for one reason or another.
2: But
1: I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah. The did it. We down that we the Twilight Princess on the GameCube and the Wii So they could easily do it for their 3DS It makes sense at this point
0: Well, uh, I guess I forgot to mention that the, the villain farmer is named Jinbei Or Jinbei, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name He kind of looks like Mario Just because, I don't, I don't know if it's because Miyamoto drew The character on the box art or, or what But uh, he kind of reminds me of a, a scruffy Mario that mustache going on, like the drawings you might have seen way back in the early 80s kind of before Mario's look was standardized.
1: You never know, though. I mean, he's known for catching gorillas, jumping and jumping on dinosaurs and turtles, so you never know he might be the culprit behind this game, too.
0: Right, well, that, that's going to wrap things up here. And I uh, want to wish you all a, a Happy New Year or Hope you had a Happy New Year, it's, if, if this comes out later than that, and um, thank you Pedro for, for joining me.
1: Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun as always, and it's a great pleasure to be here interacting with you and everybody on the forums and the rest of the staff. And Sorry if I keep talking a lot, but I really do know a lot about these games and I really like to share my opinions and information. To everybody else, so I want to thank you and everybody else for giving me the chance to be here and doing this sort of thing, despite how crazy and silly and a little disturbing it might get.
0: Oh, it hasn't gotten disturbing yet, I mean, compared to last week, well, last time you were on, um, that got real out there. <laughs> if, if you missed oh, yeah. the uh, last episode with Pedro, uh, go back a few episodes, listen to it. Uh, make sure you listen to the very end of that episode. <laughs>
1: let's, let's just say that your image of Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright might be changed forever because of that. And if that happens, I'm very happy.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Oh, bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, bye from the past. We're going back to the future. We're back
0: okay, let's do a clap. Oh, no, I, I countdown and then a clap.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Three, two,
0: one. Nike's Speedway USA is copyright 2000, Disney. Wild Guns is copyright 1994, Netsume. Tiny Toon Adventures Buster Busts Loose is copyright 1993, Konami, Warner Brothers. Mario Super Sluggers is copyright 2008, Nintendo, Namco, Bandai. Mold Mania is copyright 1996, Nintendo. Isn't there an 88 miles per hour reference in uh, Buster Busts Loose? I seem to um, I I... recall reading something about that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. At the end of the train chase level... You, you are playing with Buster and Montana Max, and you have to pedal these, uh, the minecart sink up and down b- before the train catches up to you. So you have to be tapping the buttons really, really fast. And when you reach the 80, 88 miles per hour, you complete the level, and you go placing off into the until the end of the level. So that could be a back-to-the-future reference. Too.
0: All right, then we'll see you in the future again. we
1: we'll see you in the future from the past.
0: Although, it's a, it's a girl in Japan. Um, I think. Maybe. Well, At it has I a girl's name.
1: Mistaken, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, in Japan, he's a guy. Like, there's no denying that. He's a guy. Deal with it. It's in the U.S. where they say, oh, she's a girl. She's a girl. But what about
2: this scene during the crush? He's a girl, damn it!